We need to be at peace, not just with some people, not only with the people that we love, like, or get along with, but with all people. And that includes those people we don't like, those people that have wronged us somehow. We need to forgive those people. And that without being at peace with everyone, and of course, without holiness, that no one will see the Lord and that we will fall short of His grace. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Today we'll be talking about forgiveness. I believe everyone wants to be forgiven for the wrongs they've committed, especially if they feel remorse and regret. But it is usually the case that forgiveness is probably the hardest thing to do, especially when we have been hurt deeply or wronged in a way that we feel is irreparable. But despite that, God tells us that we need to forgive others and that if we don't forgive, He will not be able to forgive us. We can find the power to forgive anything through Jesus Christ for our own good and to fulfill the Father's will. Today's message is inspired in Philemon chapter 1, verses 8 to 21. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Holy God, blessing and honor and glory and praise be to you, O Lord. For you are good, for you are merciful, for you are forgiving. Heavenly Father, to you be all the honor forever and ever, Lord God, for who you are and for what you do and for the way that you love us. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you please forgive my sins and my wrongs. I pray for your continued forgiveness, Lord God. We depend, O Lord, on your mercy and on your grace. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you may guide us through your Holy Spirit, that you may help us to be sensitive to you, Lord God, that you may help us to understand that forgiveness is essential so that you could forgive us. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise forever and ever. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Today's key passage is in Philemon chapter 1. Verses 8 to 21. This is the word of the Lord. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. I am sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is, my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes you anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord, Refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. Forgiveness is probably one of the things we all want the most when we do something wrong. 
Yet it is probably one of the things that is hardest to give. In this passage, we read that Paul is writing to Philemon and that he is interceding for Onesimus. It is believed that Onesimus was a servant to Philemon and that he stole from him. And Onesimus was put in jail. It appears that Paul may have found Onesimus in one of his imprisonments and that Paul ministered to him while there. And as Paul attests, Onesimus had a definite conversion and change in life. And after some time, Paul is sending back Onesimus to Philemon so that they can serve the Lord together. It is ultimately a story of conversion, of change, and also of grace, mercy, and forgiveness, and restoration, which are things that God is after in all of us. God is in the business of saving and transforming lives, and that relationships can not only be restored through the regeneration of the Holy Spirit, but even made that much deeper and closer through him. Onesimus was just a slave to Philemon in his past life, before coming to Christ. But through Christ, because both Philemon and Onesimus shared the same faith, they were now family in Christ. What is ironic is that the people that sometimes wrong you the most, or hurt you the deepest, are not those that are unknown to you, but rather those that are close to you, those that actually have some sort of relationship with you. Sometimes parents hurt their children, and sometimes children hurt their parents. There is sibling rivalry also, and that can cause a lot of pain. And what about marriages? Two people that once were so in love and that could not stand being apart that at a single moment because of some wrongdoing, that great love they once shared became anger and even hatred, where both people try to destroy each other. What about when there is a fallout between longtime close friends? There are many examples of broken relationships because one harmed another, either accidentally or intentionally, or both parties hurt each other for whatever reason. Many times, our worst pain is not caused by strangers, but rather by people we are close to. But despite all of that, the Lord taught us that we need to forgive each other. Is this hard? Of course it is. It's hard to let go. It's hard to forgive. It's difficult to forgive the pain caused by others. But God says that if we want to be forgiven, that we must forgive. For it is written, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is very difficult to accept. But if we want God's forgiveness, then we need to find a way to forgive others and to let go of any ill feelings. Let's look at another place in the scriptures where this is talked about. In Matthew chapter 18, it says, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will repay you all. And the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. 
And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what he'd been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly father also do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. This is one of the deepest passages in scripture that deals with forgiveness and the perspective that the Lord gave us so that we could be able to, in fact, forgive others. What is he telling us to consider or weigh, if you will? He is telling us to remember that God has forgiven us an infinite amount because we all sin all of the time and not just when we were without Christ in our lives, but even after. This is something that we must all remember and understand. When a person has not yet made a decision to repent and convert from their sins before the Lord, they are liable for all of that sin and they will suffer eternally for that sin because they are still in darkness. When a person repents and converts with all of their heart to the Lord and makes a decision to leave sin behind, then and only then can God forgive sin and a person can be given a new beginning through Jesus Christ. But even after making that decision, we will still sin because we are not perfect yet. The Holy Spirit will endeavor to work in our lives so that we can start being changed and transformed during our time here, so that we can sin less against God and against those that surround us. But the point is that God through Jesus Christ has forgiven us an incredible amount of sin, no matter how little people think they have sinned against him. And God will continue forgiving us through our time here until we are fully changed and transformed into his likeness in eternity. But of course, considering that we abide faithfully in him and continue being changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we will always owe God a great deal of forgiveness. We live and subsist only through God's grace and mercy. And that is what God wants for us to consider when forgiving others. He has bestowed on us much good and grace. And the wrong that someone else has done to us cannot even come close to the wrong we have done to God. This is also something we must always consider. We wronged God. We sinned against God without Him wronging us in any kind of way. This is why sin is so unfair and wrong. We sin and offend God without him wronging us. And here is where we should start to understand God's goodness, mercy, and grace. And this is what the Lord is telling us to consider when dealing with our fellow man and their faults and offenses. This is why God is telling us that we should consider what he has done for us when we deal with others and their trespasses. Now, does this mean that the only people we should forgive are the people that have come to Christ and have been transformed? Not necessarily. The word does not make that distinction. God tells us that we just need to forgive no matter what, because again, the condition is that he will forgive us if we forgive people their trespasses. Can we come to forgive others? 
It's possible, but only through God's grace. The only way we can come to truly learn to forgive others is through the grace that God bestows on us. Because without God's forgiveness, we have nothing to help us forgive because we have no point of reference for forgiveness. The Lord gives us that point of reference by showing us how much God has forgiven us so that we can forgive others. Some people in the world have some ability to forgive, but that within itself is not enough for them to achieve salvation. Our salvation is only through faith and grace through the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, coupled together with complete repentance and conversion from all sin. And there must be a product of that salvation. And a part of that product must be this forgiveness that we must bestow on others. It's one of the many good works every Christian should have. Now, why is forgiving others required by God? There are very practical reasons for why we need to learn how to forgive others. And we have touched upon one already because of the simple fact that God will not forgive us if we don't forgive others. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord, looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. In this passage, we are told that we need to be at peace, not just with some people, not only with the people that we love, like, or get along with, but with all people, and that includes those people we don't like, those people that have wronged us somehow. We need to forgive those people, and that without being at peace with everyone, and of course, without holiness, that no one will see the Lord, and that we will fall short of His grace. We are warned that the roots of bitterness can spring up and cause problems in our lives. What are roots of bitterness? This is what happens when resentment has set in in our hearts. This is what happens when we don't forgive and we let these negative feelings fester and grow root in us. And this not only affects us, but it also affects those around us. That's why we are warned because these roots of bitterness allow for many to become defiled. When a person lets hatred and anger reign in their hearts and their lives, even if it is compartmentalized to a single person, it will transmit that somehow to everyone that is around them. So this is the practical side of forgiveness. Even if the other person hasn't asked for forgiveness, we must forgive others so we can be in good standing with the Lord, but also so we remain unaffected by resentment, anger, hatred, and whatever feelings come with the inability to forgive. The problem to us personally is that when we are unable to forgive, we allow ourselves to be consumed inside, and this will not let us see clearly God's will for our lives. This will affect our decisions and cloud our judgment. And not forgiving others will not allow for internal healing to happen. And this is why our walk with Christ can be affected, and to the point of interfering with our salvation if we let it. We are saved through Jesus Christ to accomplish God's will. But if we have things in our lives that prevent us from doing God's will, how can we then be saved if we do not fulfill the purpose for why we were created and saved through Jesus Christ in the first place? See how that works? That's why it is imperative to get this right. It can be extremely hard depending on the situation, but through Christ, all things are possible. We need to ultimately remember that the Lord even taught us that we need to love our enemies. And so this would include 
coming to learn how to love those that wrong us. This is what he said. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. I know what you might be thinking right now, and I understand. This can be incredibly difficult, but this is what the Lord said we needed to do. He didn't tell us to do this because it's a good idea or as a suggestion. We need to learn to do this. We need to practice this. This needs to become a part of our lives through the Lord Jesus Christ, and we need His help to get there. Remember that all things are possible through the Lord, just as it is written, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Word of God explains to us that once we commit our lives to the Lord, that we are to continue being changed and transformed, being made into a new person, into the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we surrender our lives to the Lord, it is only the beginning, just like the term born again implies. We get a fresh new start through Jesus Christ. And through that new start, God wants us to change continually, to shed sin, to let go of the desire of the flesh, and to become more like Him, which implies that we do those things that please Him. We are to do His will with our lives, and that includes learning how to forgive. We always need to remember that God saves us through Jesus Christ by faith and grace, but so we can do His will and not our own will. We need to walk in Him. We need to walk in the Spirit. For it also says in Galatians chapter 5, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, why is it important to not fulfill the lust of the flesh? Why do we need to walk in the Spirit? In Galatians chapter 6, verse 8, it says, For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So we need to let go of the flesh. And that involves letting go of unforgiveness and resentment. And we must embrace the will of the Spirit of God so that we can in fact reap everlasting life. Now someone might say, but I thought we were saved by grace and that our works do not save us. According to the Bible, it is necessary to do the will of the Father. We are saved by grace, but with a purpose. If we don't fulfill that purpose, if we do not do the will of the Father with the opportunity for salvation we are given through the Lord Jesus Christ, a person will not enter the kingdom of God. And that includes learning how to forgive. And Ephesians chapter 2 clearly explains that we were saved, but with the purpose in mind that we must yield a product as it is written. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and then out of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And it also says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. 
So you see, it is imperative that we do his will. Now look at what 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. The good that our lives need to yield involves forgiveness. Forgiving people their trespasses against us is clearly God's will. There is no way around it. When Jesus even gave us the model prayer, he prayed that we are to forgive people their wrongs. Just like it says in Matthew chapter 6, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And look at what it continues saying right after that prayer. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And so it is more than clear that learning how to forgive is a requirement to maintain that salvation that we are given through Jesus Christ. Because if we don't forgive and God in return cannot forgive us, just as it is written, then how can an unforgiven sinner enter the kingdom of God? They cannot. It is impossible. We need God's initial forgiveness when we are born again in Christ and his continual forgiveness as we walk in him, as we look to fulfill his will in our lives. Now, there is one point of clarification that we need to make. Does forgiving someone imply that we have to continue being subjected to constant abuse or to someone that does not value our forgiveness? And the answer is no. Similar to the Lord, because he is our model, God forgives sin, but he does not entertain forgiving the practice of sin when grace is ultimately abused we are all imperfect. We are all sinners. We will continue sinning even after we have received Jesus Christ as the Lord of our lives. But the practice of sin where we abuse God's grace will not be tolerated. And the scriptures are very clear about that. In Galatians chapter 5, it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And who are those that inherit? children inherit from their parents. So if a supposed child of God continues sinning without any kind of change or regard for the grace of God, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Remember that we are saved to do the Father's will, which means that we're not supposed to devote ourselves to the practice of sin, to sinning without any kind of repentance and conversion. In other words, sin can never become a lifestyle, a way of conducting ourselves. And in Hebrews, the Lord is even more drastic with regards to willful sinning, which is ultimately the practice of sin, where it says in chapter 10, for if we sin willfully 
After we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fire indignation, which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him, speaking of God, who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And so we can conclude that if God does not tolerate the abuse of his grace, and if we are to be like him, then that means also that we are not to tolerate a person's constant abuse of our forgiveness. We don't have to put up with a person that thinks you have to forgive whatever I do to you and as many times I do it to you. God doesn't work that way and neither should we. Forgiveness is a wonderful thing, but it can never be abused. And when we see that it is being abused, taking distance from that person that is continually abusing that grace is not a bad thing. It doesn't mean that you haven't forgiven them when you take distance. When we take distance from those that hurt us, you are taking a practical approach so that you are not enabling their continual sin. A spouse does not have to be a punching bag. A couple can separate, not divorce, if there is constant abuse to work things out or to not enable the person in their continual abuse. If there is adultery, the offended party can forgive. But if that forgiveness is not valued and the offender continues in their adultery, Jesus Christ himself said that divorce is permitted under those circumstances, as it is written. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. And so divorce is permitted but only on the grounds of sexual immorality by the offending party. Forgiveness is ultimately God's will, but it can never be abused. But nonetheless, we must learn to forgive so that God can forgive us. Like we said at the beginning, we all want to be forgiven, but forgiving is hard for us. And we many times put limits on our forgiveness and the I forgive you, but I'm not forgetting what you did is very common. We need to learn to be like God, which means that we are to show grace and mercy to those people that wrong us. Just like God showed grace and mercy to us. Does a person deserve our forgiveness? Are they entitled to that forgiveness? No. But despite that, we are to forgive. Think about it this way, and this is the way the Lord challenged us. Is God obligated to forgive us? Did God have an obligation to give His Son as a sacrifice so that we could be forgiven? Absolutely not. God does not owe us anything, and least of all forgiveness. Yet He is merciful and full of grace. But of course, when we come repented and converted from all of our sins, when we confess our sins before Him, 
And so if a person has done wrong to you, but they come back to you, repented from their sin against you, we should forgive them just as God forgave us. And that's the example we're given in our key passage. Onesimus did wrong Philemon, but Onesimus found new life through Jesus Christ, and he changed from his ways and became a new person, a different person. And Paul was telling Philemon that he should give Onesimus a chance to not only serve him, but so that both men could be reconciled in Christ and serve the Lord together for the greater good and will of the Father. God is in the business of changing and transforming lives and through that, restoring and making even stronger and deeper relationships that were broken by sin. The purpose of God is to not only to restore what has been damaged, but to make things new and even stronger and better than ever before. That is the God that loves us and that forgave our sins through his son, Jesus Christ, so that we can have transformed and changed lives and so that we can yield even greater things for his honor and glory. Is it easy to forgive? Of course not. But we need to forgive and we can learn how to do all things through the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not left alone to accomplish God's will. We have the power and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives when we have made that decision to belong to the Lord and we have the wisdom and the light of the Holy Scriptures to know His will, to be able to do those things that please Him. One day, we will all give an account before the Lord for our actions and then He will see if we did His will or not. And so we must live our lives accordingly for his honor and glory and for our own good so that we can attain the eternal life and reward God offers through the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I praise you and I worship you, Lord God, for your goodness, for your mercy, for your grace, for your love the forgiveness that we have through your son Jesus Christ help us to value all of the things that you've done for us especially if you have forgiven our sins Heavenly Father I pray in the name of Jesus that you help us to have humble hearts that you help us to be sensitive to you that you help us O oh Lord to take into account the wrongs that we have done to you and to others and that we turn away from them Heavenly Father, I pray that you help us to have a forgiving heart. Help us to understand how we need to treat our fellow man and that we need to consider what you have done for us. Thank you again for your love. Help us, O oh Lord, to be able to give love back to you and to those around us, even though they may not deserve it. Heavenly Father, help us to be merciful with each other. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise forever and ever. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.